Who's fired up to be in the house of God this weekend? Amen, amen. Well, as you saw that incredible story of Victoria, she's not the only one. Matter of fact, we all have ones in our life, but people that are hurting, struggling, lonely, been through difficulty. Actually, next weekend, we're beginning a new series on relationships, but we've been through stuff. Matter of fact, the one may be sitting next to you right now, and that's why being involved in a group is so vital, because there you learn to love God, you learn to grow in your love for people, you discovered a greater love for your purpose, and then we win our world together. And so, man, I just want to challenge you to, to take advantage of that this weekend. Find a group, get involved. It will be incredible, and you'll be blessed for it. I introduce you to uh, Chris. Not me, Chris, but the sheep Chris. That actually did look like me before I got saved. Giant beard, afro, big afro. I thought I looked like that. I was laden, heavy laden. And uh, Chris gained international notoriety in 2015 when he was found barely able to walk under the weight of his wool. And his hind legs were permanently damaged by walking. See, he's a merino sheep. You've heard of merino wool. And they've got to be sheared regularly. Well, this sheep named Chris had not been sheared in five years because he wandered off and he was lost. That was almost the end of it, thankfully. A lady named Sue Dowling spotted him, found him, and sheared him. And this is the after picture. A little bit what I look like after salvation, better than the first. And, uh, and so, actually, 89 pounds of wool, it was a world record off one sheet. Maybe you feel like life's heavy. Maybe you feel like there's struggles. Let me tell you, that's why God put faith promise here, to help people to walk. We got good news today. Man, God is here, and he offers love and forgiveness and grace and healing. And so, man, it is just, we're, just, we're, we're thrilled that you're here well, our uh, faith promise vision is this. We exist to win our world by equipping Christ followers to win their world, starting with what? 1% of the state of Tennessee. Now, that impacts everything that we do because Jesus' great commission to his disciples, go therefore unto all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. After the resurrection on the Mount of Transfiguration, he reiterated that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my what? My witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Before his death, after his resurrection, the heart of our master, our Molinar Messiah, was the heart of the harvest, and it impacts everything that we have done. Because that's what the first generation of founders of Faith Promise was all about. It was about going after the one. But as we pass the baton of leadership, from me as the only senior pastor, to Pastor Zach being the next the next senior pastor, we have to understand something. This is very difficult. 400,000 congregations in America, 
mo- almost exclusively one generation. It never passes to the next, and they go to the next level. We're going to do it in Jesus' name together. Y'all with me? Come on. We're going to do it. And we're going to win our world. Come on, Anderson. Man, God is rocking Anderson. Come on, Blunt. Man, God is doing a work at Blunt. Bristol. Pastor Zach is there this weekend. We're so stoked about Bristol North. Come on, Noah. GBB. Man, we love you guys. By the way, a few weeks ago, the GBB guys made me a belt. I'm trying to lift it high enough so you can see the belt, but not high enough so you can see the fat. And so, you know what I'm talking about? And so Pastor Josh tried to get me not to show you, but I want to show you something on the back. See what it says? Dr. Big Daddy. That's right. Dr. Big Daddy. Way to go, GBB. Come on, North and Promessa de Faye and Pell, man, we are going after another generation of souls. Man, it's what it's all about. We're going to empty hell and populate heaven. It fires up heaven, and it is the revealed will of God for all of us to be involved in that harvest. God made it so clear. And if you've got a Bible, if you turn to Luke 15, we're going to jump in there in just a minute. We're going to get to that. But because but, I want you to understand that, that what we're talking is so biblical, but honestly, it is rarely ever done. Does that make sense? So Here's the key. God wants us to go after the one. And my question to you is going after the one excite you. So, Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, this is your heart, it's your mind, it's your will. And yet, God, it's rarely done. And so, Father, we pray for a radical work of the Holy Spirit this weekend. We pray that you would baptize us in Acts 1-8, a burden that you give us boldness that you would move us out of apathy and complacency and you would throw us into the harvest field. God, that you would give us images of friends and family who are far from you, that they would be our ones and you would move us in to ministry to them. God, we believe it, we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray it. All God's people said... Welcome, Faith Promise, all of our campuses. We love you. We're so excited that you're with us. Guests, we're thrilled that you're with us. And this message now, directly this weekend, a little different, but is directed at pretty exclusively at believers. So if you're not a Christ follower today, let me still tell you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6.2, and there's still going to be people saved, even though the message that, the, is, is aimed at believers we still believe that they're going to be peaceful. They're going to give their hearts to Jesus. Now, there were, this is the last weekend of this January series we've entitled Pass the Baton. So we're running. Pastor Zach is running. I'm running. He's catching up. And I'm going to be passing the baton of leadership to him. But more than that, come on, if you're listening, say I am. We are passing the gospel baton to the next generation. Y'all with me? It's not just my leadership. It is all of us. It is all of us bringing the next generation because we're all about from generation two. That's what we do. Now, if you, if you hadn't done the devotion, I'll challenge you to grab it. I'm loving the devotional book for this year and excited. Uh, I want to challenge you to stick with your words, stick with the Bible reading plan. Stick with your personal growth plan because I'm believing for breakthrough. I pray over you every day, a hundredfold harvest. Isaac planted in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. That's what I'm praying for you, hundredfold harvest. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons, there's two reasons why I'm so fired up 
about passing the baton, it's pastor's act. Number one, we are convinced it's the will of God. Our elders, our leadership, number one. Number two, listen, we are passing the baton to someone who's just as fired up about lost people as I am. Now, some of you are hoping, hey, when the old dude's out of the way, it's going to be all about us. Sorry. We're going to keep standing in the harvest field. Amen? We're going, to keep do- we're going to keep doing it. And so let me show you why. If you've got a Bible, go to Luke 15. Because Luke 15, Jesus teaches three parables. He gives three parables, but he's actually only teaching one lesson. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the lost silver coin, the lost son. All of them, something's lost. All of them, someone's burdened. All of them, that burden is, is delivered as that lost thing is found. And then Jesus said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repeats, repents over 99 that does not need to repent. So we're about the lost one. Are you with me? Let's read the first parable. Now all the tax gatherer, tax collectors and the sinners were coming to hear him and listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. That's church people right there, isn't it? Bunch of grumbling, bumbling, mad, angry people. They began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture, go after the one until the lost, until that which is lost is found. When he has found it, he said, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he group takes all his friends and family and says to them, rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep, my sheep which was lost, but I tell you, now he's gone from the parable to the lesson. In the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people that need no repentance. All three stories dealing with one issue. Does that make sense? And so as, as we look at it in verse one, tax collectors, IRS agents, worst group in the Bible, nothing's changed. And so the tax collectors and the sinners are gathered around Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus always has sinners drawn to him. There's a problem in the American church when lost people don't ever want to go. Because if Jesus is in the house, Lost people are coming. They'll tear the roof off to get in when they know Jesus is in the house. Matter of fact, if we're full of Jesus, lost people are going to come to us. We believe if we're holy enough, nobody lost will want to be around us because our focus is on the 99 and not the one. Are you with me? I love it. Verse 2, both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. That's, that's religious people. The religious people are unhappy that lost people were coming. Ain't it the job of religious people to bring people far from God to God? Yet they hated lost people. You cannot win people you hate. They're, they don't, they're only concerned about themselves. I believe they were jealous that Jesus didn't spend more time with them than he did with the lost people. That's what I think. Now, because the basic nature of church and Christians just to focus on the 99. Would y'all agree with that? It's even harder for second generation Christians or a second generation church is what we're about to become to stay focused. I remember when Micah was in, was in college. He 
Amen. He was there at UT. Man, those professors hate God. If you're going to send your kids to college, you better prepare them. And so Micah struggled, and he and I talked all the time. Well, and, and, and he said, Dad, it's easier for you. You're a first-generation Christian. It's harder for me because I'm a second generation. That's why I pray for my kids to have their own revelation of Jesus. And I pray for my grandkids to have their own revelation of Jesus. Are you with me? Because there's no, really no such thing as a second generation Christian. Because we're all born again. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus, it's getting hot up here. Jesus deals with the problem in these three parables. God, look at that. Okay, squirrel. (laughs) It's so tough with ADD, can I just tell you? And so he told them a parable saying, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one, doesn't leave me get him. You know what everybody in the room's doing? That's right. I don't have a sheep and one was gone. I wouldn't stop. That's what they're doing. They're shaking their head right because they had extreme value on each of those sheep. They produced milk. They produced wool. All these things, those sheep were extremely important. And when people are important to us, we go after them. Sadly, that most people only go after people that can do something for them. Are y'all with me? So what do we do? We do what Jesus said. We focus on the one. So if you're a Christ follower, you should have at least one one. Maybe a list of ones. In fact, right now you're getting images, faces, names in your mind. Who's your number one one who's far from God? Now, let's be raw and real. The church wants to focus on the 99 and not the one. For 41 years of ministry, this is what I heard. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Teach me, teach me, teach me. Take care of me. Me, 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 me. Make make it all about the 99. Almost everyone that's ever left Faith Promise that came and told me they were leaving, you know what they said? It needs to be more about us. If you teach us more on the weekend instead of talking to lost people, I'm going to go find a church that will teach me more. I'm going to go after the 99. Are you all with me? Because it is spiritual warfare to stay after the one. It's warfare at the highest level. And so let me tell you why it's even more difficult as we pass the gospel baton. Every survey, Barna's the most conservative surveyor in the kingdom, 47% of millennial evangelicals say it is morally wrong to share your faith. Why? That's so easy because this godless, Christless, progressive culture says keep your faith to yourself. It's a private matter. And the church takes more of its cues from the culture than Christ because Christ said go into the world, win them, baptize them, teach them. Is that what he said? But, oh, no, 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 no. My professor told me it was private. Jesus died publicly, taught publicly, buried publicly, rose publicly. Matter of fact, he said, go public with your faith or I'll deny you before my father. Come on, somebody. Anybody love Jesus in the house? And so he goes on in verse five. When he finds it, he's after the one, after the one. 
And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing, ecstatic. See, everybody listening to Jesus understands this because there is such an incredible sense of urgency for the one, and we need it at Faith Promise. There needs to be an incredible sense of urgency with the one. That's why the one might be sitting next to you and you don't know him. That's why that everybody that walks, crawls, slides, glides, flies, hops, dives, or rides through these doors needs to be loved in Jesus' name. So listen, the one could be sitting next to you and you're sitting there griping. Or you're on your phone. Or you're doing something else. And we got one shot at that lost person and what are you doing? You're distracting them. Come on, that's why I'm praying for a 1,000 people to be baptized. That's why I'm praying for a 1,000 new win team members that we can all help take care of each other's ones when they come. Are you with me? Come on, God, we need you to light a fire in Jesus' name. God, this is your word. It's not mine. It's your church. It's not mine. Jesus, you died for us. I didn't, and you rose from the dead, and we need some resurrection power. We need some revival. We need some fire. We need a stoking. We need an urgency. God, we need you to throw us into the labor fields, so light us up is our prayer. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. They say, Pastor, man, I, I agree, but I'm not, I'm not sure. That I have a one. Well, then your focus is all on the 99. Ask God for the one. And you get that one, he'll give you another one. He'll give you two or three. Ask him to show you. Help, ask God to help you see the victoria in your life that's around you. Open your eyes. Jesus saw the people. Imagine. Now, there will be 10 or 12,000 adults and students be here in January. Now, they're not, we're, we're, we don't have that many this weekend because most people only come once, twice a month. That's another sermon. I'm going to let that slide. <laughs> Difficult, but I'm going to. It's hard. But, okay, keep going. Michelle said, don't stop. So 10,000 adults and students on the low side. What if we all won one this year? Just one. Not 1% of the state, just one. Kingdom impact couldn't be measured. 10,000 this year be 20,000 next year. 20,000 next year be 40,000 next year. Are y'all with me? You say, Pastor, that's impossible. Well, first off, Jesus said, with God, nothing is possible. No question. He said, no, it's impossible. By the way, in 2010, I told our staff and I told the church, we were a little under 2,000 in attendance. Then by the end of that decade, the decade of, the decade of difference, we were going to go from 2K to, to 10K. We'd be at 10K by the end of 2020. Nobody believed it. Nobody. None of the staff, but faithless people. <laughs> and so about 2016 to 2017, the staff started to come and say, hey, Pastor, I think we're going to hit 10K by 2020. Get away from me. Oh, faithless one. No, no, you get over there on that team. My team believed. Your team didn't believe. We're going to see. And then COVID hit early 2020. We were on track to hit 10K by 2020. See, you say it can't happen. In the upper room, there were 120 people. That's all the people in the first church, right? End of six, morning, end of six months, 60,000 new believers. 
That's way more than what I'm talking about. That's way more. See, it's possible if we'll reach, if we'll reach our one. See, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be in a spiritual geriatrics unit? Because that's what most churches are. Silver, blue, and gray. And skin. I'm seeing some skin. They say bald is beautiful. And so, but most churches are senior dog clubs. Is that right? Didn't some of y'all grew up in that church? They're senior dog. And so, man, we're, we're, I want to be in a pediatrics unit. I want to be where new babies are being born again every day. I want to see baptisms every service. I want to see people radical, man, hungry for the word of God. Why? Because they're brand new. They're just in church sitting there with eyes wide open. Woo! Golly! Man, are you serious? Wow, it's great. Drug addicts delivered, up and out set free, down and out set free, marriage restored, alcoholics set free, people lost, found. See, that's what the Bible says we do. Woo! Next verse. About to get excited up here in the house. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls his friends and, and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me. Come on, get excited with me. Fire, get fired up with me. For I found my sheep which is lost. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy where? Over one sinner that repents than over the 99 who need no repentance. See, the people in this parable understood the urgency in Jesus' message. If you got 100 sheep, you don't want to lose one. There's an urgency. There's a desperation. But when we go with desperation and urgency, like the father, two more parables down in Luke 15, waiting on the front porch, begging God the father to bring his son home, and he sees this emaciated, skinny, ratty-looking, clothes kid coming down the road. He doesn't care that he stinks. He doesn't care that he's broken. He doesn't care that he's hungry. He doesn't care that he didn't have any shoes. Kill the fatted calf, bring the robe, bring the ring, get some sandals. My son was dead as alive. We're about to party up here in the house because the one is found. Beware, church. Listen to me, faith promise. I love you. Michelle and all of you with all of our hearts, beware the focus on the 99 because it is so easy to become the older brother in that story. See, the older brother was mad the younger brother came home. Why? Because he wanted all the focus on him. What did he say, big baby? What about me, daddy? I never got a sheep. I never got a fatty calf. I never got a party. What about my friends? What about, what about, what about, feed me, feed me, feed me, teach me, teach me, teach me. <laughs> and he said, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. Don't you understand? Your brother was dead and now he's alive. We've got to party. Religious people don't party. Ever. That's why they're funny daddies, by the way. Submit the vision statement back up on the screen for me for a second. We exist to win the, by equipping Christ followers to win there, starting with. 1% of Tennessee, say that 66,000 people, Pastor, in 25 years. That number is just hard for me to get around. That number is hard for me to grasp. I got it. I understand that 66,000 is huge. It's hard to grasp. Listen, 1% of Tennessee, 
begins with your one. You win your one, we'll get what percent? And then we'll go to 2%. We'll go to 3%. But don't look at the big number. 1% begins with your one. Who's your one? Who's your one? I'm desperate for my one. I have three on my one list right now. And one of them is a family member, suicidal, on drugs right now, fentanyl, meth. Man, I'm taking his name before the Lord every day, begging God to do something in his life. But see, if we let it, the enemy will distract our focus from what's most important. Our focus will go on the 99. Are you with me? He'll distract us. That's what he does. See, the opposite of urgency is complacency. It's apathy. It's a lack of caring. I'm not going to stand before Jesus. Have not forgotten about the one? Amen. Are y'all with me? Matthew chapter 18. By the way, let me go back and get a verse I think I missed. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and the spirit like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, one's everywhere, but the laborers are few. Here Jesus gives us, listen, a, a direct prescription of what to pray. It's the only time he tells us what to pray for. The Lord's Prayer is an outline. It's a teaching. It's not prescriptive. This is prescriptive. Therefore, beseech, pray, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. We have any workers here? We got any workers here? We got any urgency here? Come on. So important. So important that we don't forget about the one. Jesus in Matthew 18, Matthew's reiterating this story. What do you think if a man has 100 sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go and search for that one astray? And if it turns out he finds it, truly I said he rejoices over it more than the 99 who have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Michelle and I, I got done with seminary and we ended up in southwest Louisiana best food on the planet. We're having gumbo for lunch today. And no, you're not invited. There's not enough. And so we go to Louisiana. It's incredible. 25 people. God sets in. It explodes in revival. We see, we see it just incredible things. And that 25 is 50, and that 50 is 100, and that we're moving places bigger, bigger than we built a building debt-free. We moved in. We go from the smallest church in the parish to the largest church in the parish. Our last Easter, 3,300 people, a third of the town were at our church for Easter. Incredible move of God. After all that time, and we still have incredible friends down there. After all that time, some of the people got tired, not everybody. And so people started coming up and saying, Pastor, uh, we don't like three services on Sunday morning. Well, you only go to one. I do three. <laughs> Are you tired? And they were. We had three services, two Sunday schools. That's the day before home groups. And, and, and they said, we're done. We want, to buy, we want to go back. We want to go back. We want to go back. 99, 99, 99, 99. Feed me, feed me, take care of me, love me, shepherd me, care for me, care for me, care for me. Are y'all with me? 99, 99, 99. But what about the one? So we don't, we don't care as much anymore. 
I went on a 40-day fast. I was devastated. Because we had committed to spend our whole life in Jennings. We never wanted to leave. We loved those people. We loved the culture. We didn't want to leave. 40-day fast. And I said, God, they, they want me to focus on the 99. You didn't drag me out of the sin pit of death to sip coffee with saints. I know that's what saints want. But what about the ain'ts? 40-day fast, I told Michelle at the end, Michelle, we're done. We're about to leave. And about that time, a guy named Terry DuPont called me and said, hey, we got about 250 radical believers in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I said, Oak Ridge, where's that? I've never heard of that. Oak Ridge, why don't you come? And we did. 27 years ago, it's been incredible. Let me, amen, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Listen. Faith promise only uses a fraction of its power. See, when I tell people that we started in Oak Ridge, they say, where's that? And I always say this, where they built the bomb. What bomb? The bombs. Little boy and fat man. He or she in Nagasaki. They said, are you kidding me? I said, no, it's where they built the bombs. It's two, three miles down the street from where our church is today. And I heard just a week ago do you know those bombs were devastating? We've all seen the images, right? The devastation of the power of those two bombs. They used 3% of their power. 97% of the uranium did not, did not click in. They used 3% of the power of the bomb. Now, if you're an Oak Ridge nerd, you know that. The rest of us, we don't know that. I think faith promises the bomb. And we're, listen, but we're only using a few percent because the bulk of us are not looking for our ones. We just come in and hang out, hope it's good, make me feel better. We'll make it for six more days and I'll be back. Our 14, our 21. Are you with me? We want the power of God, which is in the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation but we got to get our one and we got to get in the game are y'all with me and then we can all stand before God and say we achieved our redemptive potential because like Jesus we're going to run after the one let me say one more thing and then we're going to have a time of just response I think we need to be an unbalanced church everybody loves balance Work-life balance, balance, balance. Are y'all with me? We hear it everywhere. I think we need to balance because Jesus was unbalanced. 99, one. We're going to stay unbalanced, not just as I'm the senior pastor, but as Pastor Zach takes a baton, we're going to be unbalanced towards the one because heaven is. Who's your one? As we pray, I'm gonna pray and these altars will be open. You can do what I did yesterday. I lit a candle in prayer time yesterday morning for my, my one. Lord's Supper, there'll be people to pray. There are crosses around the room with sticky tape. You can write the name of your one and stick it on one of these crosses. Father God, Father God, Father God. What we're asking, we can't do, but you can. And so Lord, I'm asking you to move in power I'm asking you to seal your message 
on our hearts. Seal it. Use it. Give us our one. Then two and three. Throw us into the harvest field. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.